Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. God's Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Today I'd like to read a psalm to you, Psalm 73. And I want to talk about the experience of the psalmist as his faith is on trial. This psalm has always meant a lot in my life. I can remember reading it when I was in college and reading a a book by Lloyd-Jones called Faith on Trial, in which he expounds this psalm in full book length, as he is prone to do, verse by verse. Well, I'm not going to do that, obviously, but I want us to read the psalm, and I want to interact with it. So here's the psalm. I'm reading from the international version, the New International Version, because it's very clear on this psalm. This is a psalm of Asaph. Now, we don't know if Asaph is talking about his own experience or not. It could be. But at the beginning, he makes this assertion, a confession of faith, basically. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Now, that's his declaration, a declaration of truth. God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But now he contrasts it with himself. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. You see, his, his faith is on trial because he is envious. The sin of envy. He's envying the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. This is what took his eyes off of the goodness of God to Israel. So it says, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped and I nearly lost my foothold. So the declaration of faith, he says, I almost lost it because of my envy at the arrogant of the prosperity. And then he describes the wicked as he sees them. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They're free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. So that's his conclusion. He he sees the wicked and he sees that they don't have the struggles that he has. And that God seems to, to give them more than enough. But he's struggling. And he says also that they there are people who sort of defy God. They they turn their their nose up at God. How would God know? Does the Almighty know anything? This is blasphemy. But here is his conclusion. This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. That's his conclusion. The wicked as he sees them. And he has a reaction to this situation. His reaction is surely in vain. I've kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. He says, but look at me. I don't have this. I don't have wealth. I don't have all these things. I don't have all this blessing. 
I must be just keeping my heart pure for nothing. I've washed my hands in innocence, but what am I going to get out of this? All day long I've been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. But as he's reflecting on this, this is the thoughts he had in his mind. Remember that our trials begin with our thoughts. This is his reflection on his reaction. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. So he says, I kept my mouth shut. I didn't share this with other believers. I didn't tell them, you know, what I was thinking. I kept it to myself. Because if I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. I would have hurt your people. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. He says, I'm trying to understand this. I'm trying to understand God's ways. Why would he let the wicked have blessing, but his own people many times have difficulties, even punishments or great trials? But here's the turning point. Psalm 73, verse 17. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply until... I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their destiny. See what he's saying? It's when I worshiped God. When I came into God's sanctuary, into God's presence, and I thought about him and his greatness and majesty, when I turned myself to praise and worship of him, then I understood their final destiny. In other words, I got the divine perspective. And through the worship of God in his sanctuary, he obtained divine perspective and he embraced it and he made all the difference in the world. And this is the perspective. He, this is God's revelation to him. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They're like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. In other words, the day of the wicked having wealth and the day of the wicked having all of this prosperity and blessing will come to a sudden end. It will be like they woke up from a dream. Then he reads these very important words. When my heart was grieved, he's talking about his reaction. In verses 13 and 14, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, that's what, that's what the envy did to him. The envy of the arrogant and the prosperity of the wicked, this envy caused his heart to grieve. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, he wasn't happy with God. I was senseless and ignorant I was a brute beast before you. This is his confession of sin. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. You know, confession is very important for our spiritual health. And when we have spiritual struggles, when we have sin, when we have sin of attitude, sin of words, sin of deeds, sin of omission or commission, and the Holy Spirit of God pricks our hearts and makes us realize where we're coming from. It's very important 
that we're honest before God and just tell him exactly what our situation was. We name it before him. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was a senseless and ignorant brute beast before you, God. But then he has a resolution. Remember, he's in the place of worship. The resolution is that he has a dialogue with God. Now, I don't know that God spoke audibly to him, but God certainly spoke in his mind and in his spirit. And this is what he says. He says it about himself. Yet I'm always with you. In other words, I can't leave you, God, because you are my God. And although I have struggles in my faith, I am always with you. Now, how is that possible? Well, he tells us how. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. The reason he can persevere in his faith is because of God's preservation of him. Because of God's sticking with him, holding him by his right hand, guiding him with his counsel. And he has promise for the future. You see, there's going to come a day when things will be reversed. And the reversal is like this. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But for the righteous, for those whose heart is set on God, this is his great statement of faith and his great exclamation of worship. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The wicked will perish. But those whom the Lord sustains, those who have the Lord God as their God, they will have the great reward. The reward is God himself. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth is nothing I desire beside you. When I get things in perspective, temporary riches on earth and temporary prosperity here does not yield eternal pleasure. It comes, it goes, and I may have nothing left but ashes. But if my desire is for God, then even on earth, there is nothing I desire beside you. This is a resolution of faith. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. This is always the case. Our faith may be on trial, but the victory is won because God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Then he ends the psalm with an affirmation. He began it with an affirmation. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And he ends it with an affirmation. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Yahweh my refuge, and I will tell of all your deeds. Remember in the midst of the psalm, he said, I have these thoughts, and if I had spoken them out, then I would have betrayed your children, and I would have done damage to them. But I didn't. I withheld my voice. You, Lord, have come to my rescue, and it's good for me to be near you. I've made the sovereign Yahweh my refuge, 
As a result, I will tell of all your deeds. A testimony of faith. This is a wonderful psalm. And here's a hymnic version of it. We call these Psalter selections because they're songs based on the Psalms. This one is, Oh God, How Good You Are. And it comes from the Psalter of 1912 with some alteration and modernization of language. Oh God, how good you are to all the pure in heart. Though life seems vain, burdened with anxious care, I groaned in dark despair till in your house of prayer all was made plain. Dwelling, O Lord, with you, saints are preserved and true, helped by your hand, and you will guide my feet by your own counsel sweet till I am made complete and perfect stand. In earth or heaven above, who else deserves my love, faint though it be? My heart may fail with fears, but God, my strength appears and is to end the less year's portion for me. Oh, it is good that I may to my God draw nigh as oft before. The Lord Jehovah bless my refuge and my rest shall be in praise confessed forevermore. Psalm 73, a faith on trial, but a trial that's won because of God's sustaining grace.